Welcome back to the Crash Course Podcast. My name is Craig Crash Collins, joined as always by Brandon Scott, otherwise known as B. Scott. We're back. We had the hiatus, uh, but now we are back and better than ever, uh, ready to talk about some college football realignment. Before we do that, you may have thought, hey, you guys talk, had a whole month to talk about IndyCar, and you even had some episodes after you went on the hiatus to talk about IndyCar. But B. Scott, you're telling me as we're getting ready to, to hit the record button here that we've got some uh, some big shakeups in the yeah. uh, the world of IndyCar. Yeah, so as you all know, we record this show on uh, Tuesday nights. So today, Tuesday night, uh, July 12th, just absolute craziness. Silly season has come early in IndyCar this year. Earlier this evening, uh, on Tuesday evening, Chip Ganassi Racing put out a press release uh, stating that they have picked up the option for Alex Pillow's contract for the 2023 season, put it out there, had quotes from him, everything. Not too long after that goes out, Alex Pillow goes on a rant on Twitter, uh, quote retweeting it in several threads, stating this press release was never approved by me. Those quotes were never approved by me. I am not returning to Chip Ganassi Racing for personal reasons, and I will have an announcement about my future later on. Shortly after that, another press release comes out, this time from Arrow McLaren. This press release, which has been confirmed as official, uh, IndyCar champion Alex Pillow to join McLaren Racing in 2023. McLaren Racing has signed champion driver Alex Pillow to race for McLaren starting in 2023. Alongside his racing duties next year, Alex Pillow will also test the McLaren F with the McLaren F1 team as part of our testing program with fellow drivers Pato Award and Colton Herta. Pillow will join McLaren following the conclusion. Of his 2022 IndyCar season, McLaren Racing will confirm its full driver lineups across all its racing series in due course. So, if you are keeping tally at home, that means, well, one, kind of leading up to all of this, we've seen McLaren make some pretty big moves. One, they have stated that um, Felix Rosenquist is not coming back next year. Uh, Earlier, they also picked up driver Alexander Rossi. Earlier than that, they also extended Paddle Award through 2025. So it's a, typically a two-car team. They ran three cars at the Indy 500. It looks like potentially this isn't, I, I, I don't know on this for certain because that phrasing at the end of their, their press release is a little bit confusing of how they're going to release their full driver lineup in due course. So right now, one would speculate and think that McLaren is going to a three-car team of Pato Award, Alexander Rossi, and Alex Pillow. This move is a huge seismic shift in potential powers within the IndyCar paddock. Typically, when you look at IndyCar, you're looking at two main big powers that battle it out year over year. And that's Chip Ganassi Racing and Penske Racing. 
Well, Pinsky oh, now Ganassi Racing is has lost out on a former on a champion, last year's champion. Yes, they still have Scott Dixon. Yes, they have Marcus Erickson, who is currently leading the championship point standings. I'm not 100% certain what the status of Jimmy Johnson is for next year. I don't know if his contract runs through this year or if he's got another year. I don't know. And I mean, for him, he do what he wants to do. But for Ganassi to lose one of the top young drivers and for them to go now to this forming potential super team over at McLaren with their, with its young drivers, you're looking at a potential seismic shift from the powers to be from Ganassi and Penske to Aero McLaren and Penske. It's, I mean, it's crazy. Cause I mean, even Andretti, losing out on losing Alexander Rossi. And then there's still the potential, the rumors that are flying around of Colton Herta jumping ship to formula one, which would just be devastating for Andretti in that fact. Now, everybody's going to throw that term out the super team for McLaren, but look, this is still a team that has a lot to prove just because you got the drivers doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to win you a ton of races and championships. I mean, they're, they're right there. They are right there on the cusp. They have been, I mean, look, they, they almost won the Indy 500 this year. I mean, Pato award last year was leading the point standings. They've got great leadership in, in place. I mean, it's a team that's definitely on the rise and ha- has seen more financial stability or more financial financials coming in, in their favor with, McLaren coming in so this this is a potential super team but it's still in in my mind as far as a team goes not the drivers the drivers are proven kind of Alexander Rossi I'm not even gonna say Alexander Rossi's truly proven yeah he's won the Indy 500 and he's contended for a championship but he hasn't won the championship he hasn't been racing all that great here as of late so I mean you got Alex Pelot that's a proven almost pretty much he's proven he won a championship in year two so there's still a lot to prove for that team to be considered a, a super team or to be up there with the big boys, but it is looking like a major seismic shift in the landscape of IndyCar for next, starting for next season. Really exciting stuff. Man, silly season isn't supposed to start till the last race is over, and we are, we've been hot in it all summer long. I mean, it's crazy. This has been a crazy day in motorsports with Tyler Reddick leaving JGR and heading over to 1123 racing. And then JGR coming out and saying, we, we've enjoyed Tyler on our team and everything. Uh, obviously, the timing of this announcement is not great. And it's like, whoa, everybody's got some some hurt feelings right now. And it's <laughs> and we're still in the middle of the season. So a lot of up, a hold lot on tight. A lot of realignment talk today because we're talking about, you know, the powers that be in racing realigning, talking about college football realigning. Um, I yeah, know, I mean, it's like it's, I, just, I come back from Omaha and the whole world goes crazy. Yeah, exactly. Well, I they mean, knew it. They're like, what you happened? Know, like, oh, guess what? College baseball season's over. Time to go bananas in, exactly. our, in, the, in the downtime of the summer. Like, what? Yeah, come I on. mean, I think I don't think it's a stretch to say that like this puts arrow mclaren above andretti as far because i mean you oh, when you look at arrow mclaren was already well right I but i think i think just andretti. from from like a casual fan perspective you kind of i think you would rank the teams 
um, you know, Penske, Chip Ganassi, and then yeah, like I think you know, you you're yeah, you're right. I mean, there could have been a debate already for who kind of takes that three spot, but I think the casual fan would be like Andretti, you know, maybe because of the name, maybe because you know, you know, because even though Rossi Rossi's been up there, even though he's not won a championship, you've got Herta, who's you know, you know, kind of a legacy in the sport, you know, Father yeah, Brian running for a team. Yeah, Fat John, you know, you so you have that. Arrow just a couple of years ago was, you know, relatively unknown. They, I mean, they, they did not have McLaren in this shop. Right. They were Arrow, they were Arrow, Schmidt, Peterson, or Something not like that, that long ago, they were just Schmidt, Peterson. Right. And they were running with James Hinchcliffe or Townsend Bell. And I mean, look at this team now. Like the Schmidt, Peterson isn't even in the name. <laughs> anymore but they're right they're still a part of it it's i mean they've they've moved from their small shop just off of 71st street they moved uh into downtown speedway i believe into a bigger facility i believe they moved into the old original old um ecr headquarters right there in downtown speedway mm-hmm. i'm correct but yeah, bigger facility, more centrally located. Yeah, their old one was really tiny and unassuming. So, well, and there, what I was just, there's just a lot. Like, did you know there is a Mercedes test building in the middle of the track? Like, permanent Mercedes is renting. Like, has a state of the art building in turn three, right along the road course. Like, I didn't, I didn't know I, that. I didn't know that until <laughs> I got to the 500. We were like, what is that beautiful? We went to the qual. We went to qualifying. Like, what is that beautiful building over there? And somebody's like, "Oh yeah, that's that's Mercedes. That they test out of there, like not just like race cars, but like street cars too." It's like, whoa, okay, <laughs> things are popping off around IMS. <laughs> They're becoming go. a staple for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think this. What I was getting to too is, I think this move you can argue, you know, even puts them second, maybe even. Um, you know, well, I mean, if, if, if everything oh, yeah, goes right, out, no, if, if everything, if yeah, well, I mean. <laughs> I think, you know, could just comparing drivers. I mean, I think Dixon, just how they are right now, obviously, legacy aside, Dixon, Polo, probably on equal footing. Then, you know, in terms of your yeah. second best, you know, driver, I mean, I would take a ward over, um, I would take a ward over Erickson easily. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you've got that argument to where now those, you know, top two teams in the sport, you know, have, have definitely changed and definitely shifted. So, yeah, I mean, more power to them. I'm interested to see. Yeah, that is a real weird way to phrase like, oh, we'll let you know about our lineup here soon. Because well, I mean, it makes sense. I, I can understand because I, I mean, I don't follow Formula One too intently, but there's always drivers changes and weird stuff going on with that. So I'm sure there are some potential but possible open seats in their Formula One team. And there are other series that they're a part of as well, you know, so because people are probably asking, hey, does it what does this mean for your Formula One team? Because when you think McLaren, that's what you think of first. You're not thinking IndyCar. But soon you will be. For sure. I mean, it's going to be I'm it's it's like you said, it's happening already. We'll see if there's any more surprises in store uh, as the season goes along. And then that was the the last big surprise. I think that was the last big surprise. You say that you say that you never know. But what's funny (laughs) is what's funny is that people have been predicting this for weeks, for weeks. I think it's not that it happened. I think the biggest story is the way it happened. Like when I saw the story earlier this afternoon of, oh, 
Ganassi picked up his option. Okay, he's not going to McLaren. Done deal. And then the whole world just fell apart. And it's like, okay, he is. Because like I didn't realize what was going on. I paid no much, much attention to it after Ganassi put out their statement. And my buddy Pat texted me and he said, well, Polo's gone. You're, you were right. When I told him, I was like, I think he's going to McLaren. And he texted me, he said, you were, you're right. And I was like, what is he talking about? No, I'm not right. I wasn't right. He's Ganassi picked up his option. What are you talking about? So I looked it up and I was like, oh my gosh. No, it was like literally 20 minutes before we hopped on here. That's why. So, <laughs> Well, uh, I mean, like we said, realignment going on in IndyCar. We're going to talk realignment uh, here for uh, college football here in just a moment. But first, let's go ahead and get our friends of the show involved here. Are you tired of your same old lunch hour of sitting and scrolling through your apps on your smartphone? Have you thought about playing a board game with your coworkers? Eat Lunch and Board Game is a podcast dedicated to telling you about board games that are great for lunchtime fun and some that are probably better saved for after work hours. I've been playing games at my office for over four years now where I have made new friends and business connections that have been very useful. Board games build bridges. We also want to remind you that you can like us on Facebook, 3C Media. Go follow us on Twitter at 3C Media Sports. Uh, YouTube channel, uh, you guys have been uh, sitting tight. We had some standalone content uh, for you. Uh, you guys uh, knocked it out of the park with that. So thank you guys all for your support. Keep, uh, you know, keep watching us there where, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, upload comes out uh, every Wednesday evening. Uh, if you want to see our beautiful faces while we talk sports. Um, also uh, on TikTok at 3C Media Sports over there. Um, remember, you can listen to us every week on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard. You can hear the Crash Course Podcast. Again, we appreciate everybody's support. Thank you guys for listening, watching, wherever you may be. We appreciate all of your support. So the reason we were on hiatus uh, for a little bit of time uh, is because our guy, Brandon B. Scott, uh, was covering the College World Series. So I think it, we'd, we'd be remiss if we didn't, you know, touch on that at least a little bit, especially now that we're talking college football uh, to open the show so, or not to open the show, but you know, here for the second half uh, B Scott, just real quick here, before we get into things, you know, what stood out, what were some favorite moments as uh, Ole Miss takes the college world series crown? You know, I think the, the thing that stood out the most was just Ole Miss, Ole Miss's run. Um, well, first off, we're, you know, kind of to go along with the realignment, two of the teams that made the College World Series are the Men's College World Series are on the move to the, the conference that dominated the appearances of the College World Series. It was, you know, Texas and Oklahoma moving on to, to the SEC. Didn't even think about that. Can't even imagine then, the so SEC. Essentially, like people were saying, oh, <laughs> seven of, oh, six of the eight teams that were in Omaha are headed to our, our SEC. And, and then the other, the outsiders were potentially headed to the big 10. We'll get into that a little bit more, but Stanford and Notre Dame. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Ole Miss, what a story, what an amazing story. This team was look earlier this season, this team was ranked number one in the country after Texas fell off that, that pedestal. And you know, Tech, Ole Miss had a, a lot returning this year. Their their captain, Tim Elko, who uh, had injured, who tore his knees up last season and came back just 21 days later and led his team to one game away 
from the College World Series last year. And it was, you know, this is a really hardworking team and everything, but they didn't make it last year. They return a lot this year, some really good young talent. Um, but then they get that number one ranking and the bottom falls out on them throughout the, the, the conference season. At one point this season, they were seven and 14 in conference play. They just snuck in to the last spot in the SEC tournament. All right, good. Anything can happen there. Not, I mean, they, they showed out well in the SEC tournament, but I'll tell you this much. Our champion last year, Mississippi State, got bounced early from the SEC tournament. So that doesn't usually mean anything. Come selections in everything, Ole Miss is the very, very last team. They are team number 64 placed into the tournament. So they went from the last team in to the last team standing. What makes their run even more impressive, they lost once the entire postseason. Once they won three games, they, they, they did not lose a game in regionals. They swept supers. They basically, they, I mean, they swept the championship series against Oklahoma in the semifinals. They did have to go to a winner take all against Arkansas, who was a very dangerous team. And they, they came out victorious on that one. This team got hot at the right time. This was a fan base that was so excited for this. I mean, that stadium was probably, I want to say about 97, 98% Ole Miss. And one of the cool things was, and it just chills up your spine when you hear it, you get goosebumps. And they, on the video board, they filmed their team captain, the, the in-game, the venue broadcast team had a video recorded of the Ole Miss team captain, Tim Elko, starting out their big chant. And he would go, Hey, he said, oh, hey, Ole Miss fans, are you ready? And they would all break out in the hotty toddy chant all at once. And it would just, oh, it was like, whoa, this is nuts. So, you know, we, we got to come home a day early, which was exciting. But, you know, probably my favorite moment, though, that in a moment that really stood out to me was we captured a photo of Tim Elko standing alone holding up the trophy to Ole Miss fans and for him I mean the journey he's been on and their coach who was on the hot seat both of those guys to see them bring home that championship that was, that was something that was something special I mean you've had you have national champions and it's always special to see that but it was just something different about this one to see you know to know their journey to know his journey really cool really really fun and i'll tell you what if you ever get the chance to go out to omaha anybody out there to go experience that go experience the college world series whether it's the early games of game one or it's the last game of the national championship i highly recommend it you got to get out there it's a great atmosphere Everybody's passionate about baseball. The whole city turns into baseball. And then it's so cool because the old Rosenblatt Stadium where the College World Series used to be played has been turned into a T-ball stadium. So that's really cool. I mean, it's, and they got, I don't know, the whole thing is just amazing. Because when you're driving into Omaha, I drove out to Omaha, it, you're driving through cornfields all, <laughs> all the way there. 
And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, boom, there's Omaha and there's Charles Schwab Field. And you're just like, wow, that is that's unbelievable. Great city, though. Great city. I mean, it's not anywhere. I saw some of the, the pictures from it. It looks like a beautiful stadium. I was like, man, that's that's really cool. Um, yeah, and I mean, I I didn't realize like so I, at the beginning of the season during you know when the the MLB season looked ominous about when it was going to start. I was you know watching a little bit of college you know baseball to kind of fill the needs uh, need of uh, you know no spring training. And I remember Ole Miss being like super highly ranked. So when I when that like when that graphic came out and was like this is this is Ole Miss's run uh they like as far as like being last team in and coming back from so much adversity I was like wow I didn't didn't understand it was that like so when I saw they were there I was like well yeah I mean they were one of the best teams in the in the country at one point of course they were there but then I saw that graphic I was like oh wow that's that's quite a run and I mean hey back-to-back years from uh, the state of Mississippi I know they're I know they're rivals but still what's even great though is that we were talking to some Ole Miss fans and they said hey look it's all about the state of Mississippi. You know, if we're not back here winning it next year and neither, we, we don't really want Mississippi state to win it again, obvious rival there. But <laughs> hey, it, you know, who's next Southern miss. Hey, we were like, mm, that wouldn't be bad. That they were, they were bad. good, right? They, I mean, they're a good that program. Was, yeah. That was who uh, Ole Miss had to beat to get to, to get to Omaha and they swept them. So that was a good team. That's a very good team down there in Hattiesburg. So yeah. don't sleep on Southern Miss next year. I mean, it's it's going to be fun. Next year is going to be a wild ride. I mean, it, it, this is the storylines for next year. You got Notre Dame's coach, Link Jarrett, leaving Notre Dame to go coach at his alma mater, Florida State. You know, that's going to be unreal. After Notre Dame knocked off number one Tennessee. I mean, yeah, next year is going to be a ride. And, be fun. and talk about movement. Oh, I mean, heck, well, and somebody... also, I mean, I'll I'll get go ahead and give you my preseason, my favorite next year, LSU, because of the coach. I was getting ready to. That's what I was getting ready to say. Like, no, LSU, not only just I mean, that, but LSU already has their coach lined up. He was. This will be his second year. Well, there. no, but I mean, they, didn't they? Didn't LSU? Isn't that the team that got the pitching coach from like the Twins? Uh, maybe I'm not sure. I don't know about the whole pit, like all the assistants and everything. Right. That was just a big news in the baseball scheme of things because you don't really see a team. You don't really see, you know, a a coach from a pro team go to a um, you know, especially one that's that's like you know the Twins are like the best team in the AL Central right now. So you don't typically see that midseason that shift. So that's why I thought you were saying LSU because they oh, no, uh, LSU, that helps, but LSU also has really won the transfer market right mm-hmm. now. They brought in a pitcher, Christian little out of Vanderbilt. He's really, he was like Vandy's best pitcher. And then they also landed. I, this one shocked me that this guy even went, well, both Christian little kind of shocked me that he went into the, the transfer portal. If you're a pitcher, you really want to be coming out of Vanderbilt. I mean, Let's, let's just be honest. Um, but the, uh, the second one really shocked me. Um, the guy just broke the freshman home, the home run record for freshman. Tommy White, Tommy Tanks out of NC State, put his name in the transfer portal and transferred to LSU. LSU has a very hitters-friendly park. And, oh, boy, Tommy Tanks is in the SEC. That's going <laughs> to be a wild, wild, wild ride. So, LSU is my preseason favorite. 
to win it next year. But we've we've talked. I I mean, if you would have told me at one point this season that Ole Miss was going to win it, I don't know if I would have believed you because there was seriously talk that Mike Bianco, their coach, wasn't even going to make it through the season. He was going to be fired. And now it's like he's got a lifetime contract. So right. <laughs> their first ever national championship. Literally, that's their second championship in all of athletics. Their their very first one was won in 2021 with women's golf. Wow. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> who would have thought? Same thing with Mississippi State last year. Right. That was their very first national championship in athletics program and their entire athletic department. You, it's hard to believe it. two SEC schools hadn't won anything like that so right yeah and i mean if you would have told me that usc and ucla were gonna be playing you know purdue in the big 10 uh you know <laughs> I saw that. I you was know like, who put this out you just got fired yeah even though talk about you know the pr team from the from chip, chip ganassi, ganassi pr team yeah yeah <laughs> so that was the big one more big news that happened while we were gone uh on june 30th usc and UCLA move to the Big Ten. That was approved then. They'll begin play on twenty, you know, in twenty twenty four. And and yeah, I mean, I my initial reaction was I'm all for it. Um, you know, in the moment because I was like, you know, it, it's it stinks. Sorry to all our Pac twelve listeners if you're out there, but this means I don't have to care about the Pac twelve anymore, uh, especially if the dominoes continue to fall like we you know suspect they might. Um, because the Pac-12 as a conference, I mean, it's been more so relevant, you know, as far as the major sports goes, it's been more relevant in basketball than football. Um, but even then, like, it's a conference that's UCLA. Right. It's, it's, it's a conference. Well, and I mean, in football, it's just Oregon pretty much. So, I mean. Yeah. I mean, you were making some uh, headlines this, this summer with the hire of Lincoln Riley, the transfer, transfer of Caleb Williams. Right. I mean, Lincoln Riley went from the big 12 to the, to the pack 12, to the the, big 10 10 in all the course of an off season. But um, I mean, uh, three tight end set. (laughs) Yeah. That was my, my, my favorite meme from all of that. Like wait until USC sees, you know, Iowa running out with a three tight end set. Like, wait a minute. What, wait till they see Wisconsin roll out a fullback. They're not, they're going to lose their minds. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, so that was my initial reaction is that like, Hey, the PAC 12 is finally dead. You know, I've been burned by them so many times as far as like, Oh, are they back? Are we finally, you know, got some interesting things happening on the West coast Oregon no. last year. Um, yeah. Working last year, which I was really sad about. Um, but you know, zooming out my overall reaction is, you know what? I mean, this is what happens when you disincentivize winning in, in sport in any sport really but you know this is what this is what happens when you take away you know the the draw that winning being a winning program has i mean when you look at the first big time shift for college football i mean you had texas a&m who was 22 and 7 13 and 12 in the big 12 in their last three seasons there um you know their highest finish was third in that span the sec got they went to the sec uh the sec also got missouri who was actually the the better team of that uh, of that, you know, get at the time. How many um, times did Missouri win the SEC East? Right, they won like a couple of like, times. Was like, wait a second, Missouri comes in like has no business in the SEC and was was winning their right. division. Um, yeah, so yeah, they were twenty six and thirteen over that time, fifteen and ten in the Big Twelve in their last three seasons. 
Uh, they were milling around around the top of the Big 12 North. Uh, Maryland, I didn't realize how bad Maryland was going into the Big 10. Uh, they were 13 and 24, 6 and 16 in the ACC in the final three seasons. They were in the ACC before joining the Big 10. Uh, their bet highest finish was fifth in the Atlantic. Rutgers uh, was 24 and 15, 12 and 10 uh, between the Big East and the American Athletic Conference, which, I mean, that's when the Big East and American were kind of shifting from being a Power Five conference to a uh, to a group of five conference. It was one of the d- during that span. I was like, there was a time in that transition where I was like, well, they, we can we still consider the American uh, Athletic Conference the Power Five, right? I mean, or powers or at the time, you know, Big Six or whatever you want to say. And you know, I sl- slowly got told that that was the wrong opinion to have, and I mean, rightfully so. You're wrong. You are wrong. They are not still a power conference. Um, and then, uh, you know, b- before they hopped to the Big Ten, you know, that was how good Rutgers was doing. Colorado uh, was 13 and 23, uh, 6 and 18 in the Big 12 before their move to the Pac 12. Utah was 33 and 6 and had a win over Alabama in the Sugar Bowl in the years leading up to leaving the Big uh, the Mountain West for the Pac 12. TCU was 36 and 3 with a win over Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl. Shout out Andy Dalton yeah. uh, uh, in the three seasons before they joined the Big 12. The Big 12 actually was the big winner, uh, in my opinion, uh, you know, that time around because they got West Virginia as well, who was 28 and 11 uh, between the uh, Big East and AAC before joining the Big 12. And all of that rambling is to say that the programs that were on the move were mostly either in a period of irrelevance uh, and or schools that, if they were good, lacked the same tradition that are on the move this time around, you know, you had teams that like, okay, yeah, of course they're going for the money moves. They're either, you know, joining a bigger conference, a better conference, a conference with more access to success. Um, You know, West Virginia and Rutgers leaving the big East and AAC, uh, you know, Utah and TCU leaving the mountain West, like, and then you had Colorado, Texas A&M and Missouri all leaving the big 12. And they weren't, I mean, they weren't going to even mention the old moves of Nebraska to the big 10 right. Syracuse and Pitt and Louisville to the ACC. Yeah. Right. I mean, um, and so you, you know what we need to do. I'm I just kind of feeling a little, we're, we're missing somebody. Yeah. We need to bring in Brent. that. Honestly, that is an oversight by me, by not contacting B Pope and being like, Hey, uh, remember the Look, old this is right, up, right. Your wheelhouse, man. We <laughs> talked about this every week all of the possibilities and now here we are now now they're coming to fruition (laughs) like 12 13 years later it's actually happening man right you were were ahead of the time you were you were a decade too early bud um but yeah i mean now the schools that are on the move i mean you've got usc and ucla who have five pac-12 south titles between them uh three for usc two for ucla usc won the pac-12 in 2017 Last year, we had Oklahoma. They announced their move to the SEC. They've won six of eight Big 12 titles in the college football playoff era, uh, and they're the only team from the Big 12 that's made it to the college football playoff. Don't forget about Texas. That's right. A, that's Texas, a big money maker. Right. I mean, you know, and all four of those teams are teams with a lot of history, a lot of pageantry when it comes to, uh, you know, college football, whereas those other schools, like the schools that were successful – were successful, but lacking the same pro uh, like prominence and tradition that these schools lack. So, well, I mean, I mean, look at it from a basketball standpoint, right? This one, I mean, yeah, USC, whatever. UCLA is joining the Big Ten in basketball. Yeah, I mean, I think the last time UCLA played in Mackey 
it was uh, for a game against Purdue. I don't know if they played in Mackey during the bubble year, but the last time UCLA played in Mackey Arena, it was the very first in conference. Yeah, in it was non conference. I I know, I know, I know. But it was (laughs) the very first game of Mackey Arena. Um, Rick Mount played for Purdue. John Wooden was coaching at UCLA and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was on the UCLA roster. That's why I mean, <laughs> that was, it's just going to be, it's, it's so cool. Cause that, I mean, basketball in the big 10 is so historic and UCLA basketball is so historic. It's going to be, that's cool. I mean, you got it from, you got it from both sides. Cause I mean, you just kind of flip the narrative that you would have for UCLA basketball and use that for USC football, even though USC oh, yeah. football hasn't been on that big stage, but you think now yeah now that they've got lincoln riley in there yeah exactly so i mean so basically all the point i'm trying to wrap up was that you know obviously we know that this is all you know all of it it, you know has money involved it's obviously a big money move but you know when the powers that be decide that there's only one conference worth you know you know that's worth noting which was the sec there's six programs that honestly have to play their way out of the college football playoff every year um, for another team to get in there. I mean, then the only decisions that are left are the physical ones. And, and that's what we're seeing here. So like I said, on a, on just a regular reaction, at, you know, level, I'm all for it, but I mean, Hey, I mean, we're seeing kind of the, the residual effects of, Hey, you know what? We, we know we're not going to be in the college football playoff anyway. And you know, the money's so the money's just too good to ignore. Look, big 10 is, hasn't released anything yet but they are on in works to release or to be to announce a historic tv deal and this was prior to ucla and usc i mean we're talking money that i can't even imagine but and we'll get into this the the tv talk a little bit more here about what 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 happens next but if you're the big 10 you have the coasts the major markets on the coasts locked up right now you got you got los angeles and you got the new jersey new york market i mean literally rutgers is super close to the uh, atlantic ocean ucla i believe it's ucla or is it usc one of those campuses it's a five mile jaunt to the beach with the Pacific ocean. I mean, literally the big 10 now spans across the entire country and has the major markets on the coasts on lockdown. I think I saw in a video today that like, it, it would take longer. If you're Rutgers flying to USC for a conference game, you're actually going to have a shorter flight uh, going to Iceland than you would <laughs> going to Going to the to Southern California. That's why I don't think we're done yet. Yeah, the SEC just came out what today and said we're good at sixteen. We're good. I don't think so. Not not because if guess not what if teams Big Ten's not. Expanding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Big Ten's not. Big Ten's looking at expanding even more. I know we're all waiting for that next domino to fall, and we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. That next domino holds all the cards. Essentially, we're, we're going to go in all the the games. Um, but I I mean, yeah, we'll get into it. I don't want to I don't want to jump the gun. 
Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, looking at what next, uh, what's, uh, you know, next for the big 10 and this kind of gets into those like next dominoes to fall. You know, I think if expansion is going to continue, uh, the next target is Notre Dame. Um, I think that's gotta be your next target. Um, because you know, I'm not sure how the TV rights, uh, would all shake out. I'm not sure. I know, um, you know, Notre Dame has a big deal with, uh, NBC, uh, the big 10 has, you know, deals with like Fox and stuff like that. Um, so, I mean, I don't know how all those logistics, work out. I'm not a, I'm not a, you know, legal expert. I don't know how, you know, those all, sh- you know, will break down. Um, but I mean, so something, but I do know that something big could come from that in terms of a new deal. I mean, Fox and uh, ESPN already have the rights to the big 10, but you know, you could add the NBC, you could add NBC to that. You could figure out something on like Peacock or something like that, you know, for certain. Notre Dame's like, already, most, they played. How well, right. But I'm Peacock saying last year, three. Right. But I'm saying like, you have more of a, of a chance to like put other, types yeah. of things on on peacock for the big 10 as well and then also i mean just real quick here with the addition of usc the big 10 uh is going to be home to five of notre dame's rivals i mean if if the goal is to maximize the tv money side of things then those games would be big draws not to mention matchups uh for notre dame with ohio state wisconsin penn state iowa etc so i mean you're gonna have i mean there's so much of a draw that Notre Dame would bring that I think, I mean, obviously I know they're, they're, they're the next kind of Titan to, to try to figure something out, but that's got to be your next, your next goal for the big 10. Yeah, it definitely is. That's the next domino to fall. I, you know, cause there's teams beating down the door of the big 10 saying, let us in, let us in. And they're saying, hold on, we got another big piece to fall. But I feel like if they let some of these other schools in that want in, it's going to ultimately force Notre Dame's hand. So look, TV rights, there are some rumblings that NBC may be getting some rights to Big Ten games as well now, uh, I mean, already. Um, so there's that, and you hit the nail right on the head, the, 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 the rivalries that Notre Dame has. So really, it all comes down to right now, we're waiting for Notre Dame. Now, Notre Dame has come out and said, we're not in any rush to make a decision. We're completely fine as an independent. However, in my opinion is, look, if now we can see what the writing on the wall is, there's going to be playoff expansion. It's happening. It's going to happen. I mean, and if because of that, and you got all the, you have these two 16 team conferences that have powerhouses in them now. Hey, what if they come together and they start working at a deal and then the big, you know, they're like, okay, ACC, we'll work with you a little bit. And the big 12 will work with you. And, you know, we'll lock up the, the champion from each of our conferences goes to the playoff runner up potentially gets in. And, you know, one at large spot, and then you're battling against what Cincinnati as well, or other other schools from these major conferences, Notre Dame could potentially be left on the outside looking in because also these schools, these conferences are getting bigger and they have to, they want to be able to play, maximize their usage of these schools playing each other. So guess what? That might mean smaller non-conference seasons for these schools as well. So that then starts dwindling the way the opportunities for Notre Dame to play high-quality opponents 
And if you don't have those high quality opponents on your schedule or your resume, and you're battling for that at large spot, you may get left out because your schedule, yeah, you won every game on your schedule, but guess what? Your schedule wasn't all that strong. Good for you. You beat UConn, you beat Wake Forest, you beat Georgia Tech, you know? Army, Navy. You beat Army, <laughs> Navy, Ball State. I mean, good good for you. You beat Toledo. Now, now you expect us, you expect us to, I mean, yeah, on paper, you should be in the playoff based off of your roster. But man, you haven't done anything that he's up. I mean, look, you Ohio State just ran the gauntlet in the Big Ten. Michigan finished with one loss. USC finished with one loss. You, you're telling us that Michigan, USC, and Ohio, like, they don't belong in there over your wins over Toledo? Right. That, that's, that, honestly, that's what's going to end up happening because if Notre Dame is going to be left outside looking in. And it's going to be a detriment to their schedule. Honestly, I feel like the SEC is just going to sit back and say, look, Notre Dame, if you want to play here, you're more than welcome here. And that's it, because they're just going to say, look, we're the SEC. But if I'm Notre Dame, I'm looking at the SEC going, no, no, that does no, no, thank you. No, thank you. I don't want to play because I'll end up in the same division as Alabama. And there goes my shot of playing for in the college football playoff as well. Whereas the Big Ten, I think if the Big Ten really wants to put Notre Dame's feet to the fire, they need to go to the schools like Washington, Oregon, Stanford, and say, hey, look, guys, if you want North Carolina, schools like that, if you come, we'll invite you to the Big Ten. Come on over here. And then, boom, there's all of a sudden, there's a lot of teams that are out, out of Notre Dame's schedule. And that will, I think that will ultimately force Notre Dame's hand. I, yeah. Honestly, that's what I believe is going to happen next. You're going to see more Pac-12 teams jump ship to the Big Ten, so that way the Big Ten is able to work a schedule. You're essentially going to see a Pac-12-like schedule out on the West Coast, but for Big Ten teams with USC, UCLA, I believe Oregon, Washington, and Stanford are the next big pieces for the Big Ten to take hold. Yeah, because if they go to the SEC, it's just going to get messy trying to figure out travel. Because guess what, guys? This doesn't only affect football or basketball. I mean, those are the money sports. But you're also talking, this is going to affect, I mean, baseball, for instance. It's going to affect baseball Mm -hmm. big time. It's going to affect track and field. It affects swimming and diving. To some extent, if you end up adding Stanford, it affects, I mean, not really. It doesn't affect anything right now for this sport, but rip, it affects rip, what, rip UCLA's baseball program. I know they've been pretty prominent, but you've been, I mean, they're going to, if they're going to be playing, you know, games in April in, uh, in Bloomington, I don't in know. Arbor. Yeah. I don't know if they want to go there anymore. Right. I mean, there, there needs to be other pieces that fall logistically, seriously, logistically, there needs the other pieces to fall before Notre Dame. Yeah. And I'm afraid everybody's just so held up on Notre Dame and seeing what they're going to do that all of a sudden we're going to get to 2024 and it's, oh, crap. We actually have to figure out how to work USC and UCLA into our schedules. And guess what? We waited around for Notre Dame to make a move. SEC swooped in and uh, or the Big 12, who's trying – Big 12's trying so hard to stay relevant. Yeah. They're trying to attract the remaining Pac-12 teams to their conference. Like, oh, come on. 
you you're you are dying you are dying just lay down and mm-hmm. but i mean i think they are <laughs> I just... better i think they are in a better spot to stay alive than the pac-12 is for sure i mean the pac-12 oh, is all yeah, but yeah yeah um yeah i mean right now as it stands right now notre dame you know looking for where they land you know right now they do you're right they do hold on hold on to all the chips i mean there was an article by pete sampson uh, of the athletic that said Notre Dame can essentially pick where they want to go. Um, I mean, they've got attractive qualities, like you mentioned, to the Big Ten, ACC, SEC. They're they're ACC. ACC well, is Big Twelve, in my opinion. See, but I, I think I think the agreement that Notre Dame does have already in place with the ACC for select football games and basketball does carry some weight. It may not ha- it may not be if you were to rank the conferences, it may be third, but I think they do at least have a foot in the door where they can say like, Hey, we've already had a working relationship. We, you've, you literally played in the ACC championship in 2020. Like if, if, if what your, you know, if you're looking for essentially the same schedule you've had to remain the same amount of prominent as you've been, look no further than the ACC. I think that's a definite argument that they could make. Uh, you know, the SEC, I mean, you know, Notre Dame has been, rel- you know, uh, you know, is as, you know, the SEC is the, you know, easy ticket. You can have two or three losses <laughs> and still be in contention for a, a playoff berth. Um, you know, Notre Dame's had the relevance to be up there, be one of the teams that's not an SEC school to be in the college football playoff conversation. And of course, we mentioned all the rivalries with the Big Ten. So they've got Notre Dame right now does hold uh, the chips in their hand, does hold all the cards. Um, so I, I think but that can shift. That can oh, shift yeah. so quickly. And I think that's everybody, like I said, everybody is so hold up on like the next piece that has to fall is Notre Dame. No, it's not. If the big, tw- if the big 10 and the sec really want to go to two super conferences, then, and Notre Dame is the, the lat is the last remaining piece. You, you have to make the moves to force Notre Dame's hand because right now Notre Dame can say, here's our, our list of what we want. Whoever can accommodate that list. Yeah. We'll think about it. But like if the sec swoops in and picks up Florida state, Clemson, North Carolina, Virginia, and brings them in. And then the big 10 swoops in and takes up a bunch of the other PAC 12. And some maybe some big 12 schools, Notre Dame's gonna Notre Dame's, going to have to make a move right now they don't have to they don't have to right now but But if if these conference if these two conferences keep if they if their ultimate goal is to have two major conferences and notre dame is one of the key prizes then they need these conferences need to do whatever it takes to get these other schools in that would then force notre dame to have to make a decision but i mean even then if like let's say twenty is is the goal, let's say twenty is the perfect number is, for I for I honestly, but twenty is the goal. So that's the goal for both conferences. We'll still, I'm going to still believe in the ACC. Throw them in there as a conference as well. That it would be in play. Um, what's stopping Notre Dame from when all of these conferences reach nineteen schools from just being in the same position they're in now? Because yeah, you can keep expanding. But you ultimately, I mean, if you don't want to go over 20, if you don't, you don't want to have 21 teams, because I mean, 20 would almost be, if you're going to be this big, almost would be the perfect number because you could literally not play any cross conference games and just have the championship game. And I honestly, honestly, I like that better. If, if we're talking about a championship game, I like the idea of like, okay, you go play over there. We'll go play over here. And then the champion 
like will play for the title um because that would yeah pretty much um but what's stopping them from being like notre dame being like all right fine we'll wait you guys out you guys go get your three other schools you know to fill up your conference and wait on us and we're in the same exact position because we don't have to join a conference but then almost these schools schools could still all right, go for it. Go no, no, you're good. I was just going to say they almost, you know, the ACC almost has the advantage of that way of uh, way of speaking because they can be like, hey, you can just keep doing what you're doing. Just be a part of our conference. <laughs> just you, you can you can keep your TV deal. You can keep your, you know, you can you, well, obviously you have to play a couple more conference games, but you can keep all your TV stuff. We just want you with us like they could literally do right, that if they wanted to. And my, my, my thing is, like, if the SEC swoops in and takes the top three schools from the ACC and the big 10 swoops in and takes the last remaining big three from the PAC 12. Okay. So Notre Dame's schedule still, and then those two, let's say, I mean, those two conferences, their next big move then would be to go conference only no non-conference games, unless you have one, you know, like, you're allowed to play an FCS school if you want, as so, like an, you know. But then at Notre Dame, it's like okay, you're left with what? You're playing Wake Forest, you're playing Pitt, you're playing Boston College, you're playing NC State. I mean, so, those don't have the same clout as we played Clemson, we played Florida State, we played Miami, or we played North Carolina, mm-hmm. or we played Stanford, or whatever it may be. Yeah it then puts their feet to the fire because that the clout, the, the resume isn't as strong for them anymore. It's like, okay, right. good. You beat Boston college and you beat BYU. Mm-hmm. What, but there was nobody that was ranked within the top 15, top 10 on your schedule. So, I mean, I mean look- if with, the committee, if the committee is really going to stick to strength of schedule matters, strength of schedule matters, then that is a way to make Notre Dame to force Notre Dame into playing their hand, yeah, or deciding. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm thinking about it here. They so if it's two ten team divisions in a conference. You would play because you're obviously you're one of them. You wouldn't play yourself, so you'd have nine, uh, divi- nine games within that division. Then plus maybe one cross, uh, cross league divi- you know game with a rival. So like the way it would be now is like Nor- Purdue would play all the teams in the Big Ten West, and then um, IU. I know obviously it would shift because uh, Purdue's probably headed to the Big Ten East if if this all shakes okay. out like we're we're thinking it might, but. Um, so yeah, that would still leave two non-conference dates for Notre Dame to slip in there. Yeah, but if you're in those Big Ten teams, you're like, man, our conference schedule—that's true. <laughs> stacked, it's strong enough. On we don't, we don't want to play we Notre Dame too. <laughs> to schedule Notre Dame. We're gonna we're gonna schedule Ball State. We're gonna schedule Indiana. We're gonna schedule. Indiana, you know, UConn, or we're gonna. I was gonna say Indiana. State, uh, yeah, yeah, no, we're just funny. There, <laughs> there are rules with if scheduling an FCS school, and I'm sure that would change big time as well. But yeah, we'll schedule a uh, a Ball State, a Toledo, a, a a UConn, or we'll go over to the ACC and say, hey, look, I mean, Purdue's got a ton of future dates 
set up with ACC schools. I mean, they're going to Syracuse this year. They're going to Boston College next year. They have a a trip to Virginia Tech in the near future. And I mean, it's, it is, I mean, it's, I think North Carolina is on there. And what's funny is that Purdue had actually, I believe actually had recently set up a a home and a home in the far distant future with USC. (laughs) So it's like, oh, okay. Now that one's going to happen. That's a conversation. Yeah, it's wild to see what will happen. We'll see, um, you know, who ends up going next. Um, And and that's kind of what we want to transition into as we get, you know, into the later portion of the show here. Um, You know, what are the next moves? You know, we talked about the next moves for the Big Ten. We talked about, you know, where Notre Dame fits in this whole thing. What are the next moves uh, for the Pac-12, Big 12, and ACC? Um, For me, um, (coughs) excuse me. Looking at the Pac-12, um, you know, the South is now Arizona State, Utah, Colorado, and Arizona. Should Oregon and Washington leave, uh, which has been rumored, that leaves Washington State, Oregon State, Cal, and Stanford. That leaves eight teams. Uh, unlikely that they add eight to 12 teams over the course of the next however many years to try to keep up with the Big Ten and the SEC, um, especially since they'll be competing with the Big Ten, SEC, and Big 12. Uh, for those, you know, for some of the schools that are out there who, and, you know, in the big 12, like I said earlier, I think has more of a chance of survival than the PAC 12 does. I don't know. I don't um, know. PAC 12 actually has their, oh, um, you go. There you go. You're good. Uh, though most likely, I mean, the PAC 12 will most likely follow the big 12 model. Uh, the big 12 last year added BYU, which that does suck for the uh, PAC 12 because that BYU would have been a prime candidate, especially with their rivalry with Utah. Um, um, you know, you have UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston. They'll all be Big 12 schools, um, you know, after Texas and Oklahoma announced their departure last year. I mean, I think Boise State's a prime candidate. Utah State's a prime candidate. San Diego State's a prime candidate. The Pac-12 title game is in Las Vegas. So UNLV is an option. U- uh, UT San Antonio is coming off a good year in Conference USA. So you have some schools that if they wanted to take that Big 12 model of, like, let's just build back up to – you know, 12 teams and see where, where, where we can go from there. Um, you know, that's what they can potentially do. Um, I heard Van Latham on the Ryan Rosillo podcast talk about the future of the PAC 12 is maybe following the big East model of being a basketball only conference, like the big East, you know, turned out to be, you know, after, you know, that shift, I mean, not to the point where like literally almost no teams that used to be in the big East are there, but in the sense that like, I mean, this got me excited about the potential for like, what if, Gonzaga and Kansas joined the Pac-12, um, you know, as a basketball. I mean, you still have Arizona there. You still have Arizona State, who has had good years uh, in basketball. Utah's sometimes been, you know, a good basketball school. So that has a chance to be a pretty good basketball conference if you can maybe entice a Kansas, a Gonzaga. I know they don't have football, but you can get Gonzaga over there as well. So Gonzaga, Gonzaga has football. Do they? Are you sure? I think they're FCS. Are you positive? I should know this. I should know this because I run the FCS account. I, I I don't think I don't think that they do, but we can we'll look it up. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I think that's where the Pac-12 goes. Um, as far as the Big 12, I mean, convincing teams to stay is obvious. I mean, that's the case for obviously all three of these conferences. But um, you know, convincing uh, teams to stay is on there as well as you know they have to hop on the the, the Pac-12 poaching. Um, you know, they'll have. 12 teams once Oklahoma and Texas leave and BYU, Cincy and Houston and UCF join Uh, Arizona and Arizona state makes sense. 
they have ties with Colorado already. Obviously, Utah has a rivalry with BYU, um, so they can really add some firepower uh, to their um, to their situation. And then as far as the ACC goes, like I said, I think they put all their eggs in the Notre Dame basket in terms of they've got their foot in the door with their agreement for select football games um, and basketball. No football. I knew it. Um, (laughs) Well, because like that's one of the popular schools with like college football revamped, uh, which is like a basically how one of the ways that NCAA 14, the video game has been kept alive. And I've, I've seen a few content creators use Gonzaga because you know of the prompt, you know, just because it's a cool name, cool jersey concepts. Um, and they're like, well, since they don't have a school, we'll just go with that. So I was like, I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, you know, adding them for basketball for the Pac-12 would be really fun to watch. I think. Um, but yeah, for the ACC, I think they put all their eggs in the Notre Dame basket. They've got their foot in the door, like I mentioned. Uh, you know, with Notre Dame already, uh, they've been kind of, it's, that's the odd part is that like the ACC, you still consider them as a bigger conference. Like you consider them, you group them more on the big 10 SEC sort of side of things more than you would the big 12 and PAC 12 side of things, but they've been on the sidelines for the most part, uh, you know, in the, in the expansion, uh, situation. Um, so I think, you know, if they can get the Irish, maybe they can turn the tide and be more enticing as far as adding teams goes. Um, I also selfishly want them to rescue West Virginia from the Pac-12. I think that makes a lot more sense for West Virginia. The yeah, yeah, the Big 12, sorry. I think it makes a lot more sense uh, for West Virginia to be in the ACC, reunite them uh, with their games against, uh, you know, uh, Louisville and Syracuse and take me back to like 2008 West Virginia teams with with Pat White and uh, and uh uh, Steve Slayton and and those teams back in the day that were you know on, on a on a Thursday night in Syracuse, let's go between West Virginia and uh, and the uh, Orange. Um, so yeah, Thursday that's that's Morgantown. Yeah, Thursday nights in Morgantown. Morgantown, let's get it. Pat McAfee in the building. Let's go. So yeah, I, I think those are the. He's busy on Thursday. Oh no, that's Friday. He's that's Friday. Yeah, see, Friday, he's, so. he's he's fine. He's fine. Yeah. So yeah, I think those are kind of the steps you know that they, that these conferences need to take uh, if they want to they want to keep up the game here. I guess for me, I know I've been I'm an, I'm an on the horn on the soapbox of the two twenty team super conferences. Look, that can still happen. But I honestly believe what remains from the Pac-12 will merge with the Big 12. And they'll still keep the Pac-12 name because the Pac-12 has more TV money than the Big 12. Pac-12 has their own network. It's not a great network, but it's their own network. But can be made better with some of that, you know. So, I mean, I can still see the Big 10 coming in and taking, look, somebody eventually somebody might just flat out say, screw Notre Dame. We're moving on without you. Big 10 SEC, fine. You do you. (laughs) Big 10 goes in, fills out their final roster of four, gets to 20. The SEC does their same thing, fills out their roster of their final four. I think what you're going to end up seeing is the Pac-12, remaining Pac-12 will dissolve or merge with the remaining Big 12. I wouldn't be surprised to see that literally gets them to 20, honestly. I wouldn't be surprised to see SEC. I I think SEC is more likely to go down into the Carolinas and Florida. I honestly believe the next 
four for the SEC are North Carolina, Clemson, Florida State, and Miami. There's, there's their 20. For the Big Ten, I honestly believe, if we're not looking at Notre Dame, it's uh, Stanford, Cal, Oregon, and Washington. Boom. There's your 20. The remaining teams from the Pac-12 merge with the Big 12 and form, uh, I don't know, let's just call it the Big Mountain Conference. You know, why not? And then I believe the ACC, in their attempt to try to stay relevant, will they won't grab. So I think West Virginia, I think your your call open for them to get out of the Big Twelve will happen. I think West Virginia will move into the ACC. The ACC will suck up a lot of the remaining um, American Athletic Conference schools. So like the Cincinnati's. Schools like that, that, and I think you're going to see the country essentially just divided into chunks. You're going to have the Big Ten in the mid, you're going to have the Big Ten in the Midwest and then some on the East Coast and then up and down the West Coast. You're going to have the SEC all throughout the South through Texas and into Oklahoma. You're going to have the Big Mountain Conference you know, through the South, up through the Rockies and into the Plains and the ACC along the coast and into the Appalachian, into uh, the mountain, Appalachian Mountain region as well. And ultimately, you'll still have, you'll have um, four big, you're, you're have your big four, you know, your power four is what it's going to be. Unfortunately, this type of thing could really 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 hurt conferences like the mac yeah the mountain west they're but there's still opportunities there for some of those schools to be playing i mean because the big 10 says we're not doing we're going to do away with non-conference and the sec says the same thing which the sec is never going to do away with non-conference sec needs to play towson <laughs> They need to oh, play Chattanooga oh, the week. needs to play Towson before playing in the SEC. The Iron Bowl, yeah. Playing the Iron Bowl. I mean, come on. That's just what they do. Like, um, we need to save Chattanooga. Please leave them there. Yeah. So, it's, you know, I, I think there's always going to be some sort of non-conference just because these schools don't – they need one week at least to kick off the season or as Alabama likes to do in the season. Um, and that's where these other conferences like the Mac and the Mountain West and things like that will get their opportunities, but it's going to essentially shut out any potential opportunity for a school like a ball state to make one of those amazing BCS style runs. Right. But in the end is, is, I don't know if that's really what's good for college football. If you have a small school that makes just a gigantic run to the college football playoff, and then they get in in there with the big boys and get curb stomped. 
Well, see, I'm I'm glad you brought this up because I didn't realize I skipped an entire like part of the discussion, which uh, that I had on the outline, which is, uh, you know, is this good or bad, good or bad for the sport? And so I'm glad you brought that up because and I'm also glad that you brought up the uh, four team or the four conference idea, because, you know, you know, I'll start off by saying, you know, I, I do feel like it is good for the sport, like overall this realignment, um, because uh, and, you know, I'm surprised I feel that way, because, look, I, I want to retain as much of the tradition of college football as the next person. Um, but this all, you know, what kind of triggered me about or triggered my memory about the uh, the, the big four was that like I, you know, all this reminds me of a Facebook post I made back in 2016 about shrinking the major conferences down from five to four. Um, the only reason I know that is because I looked up the date today. I was like, I know it's because I, I took a picture. It was in my notes app. I took a picture and put it on Facebook. Um, and it was basically, and in that system, and I don't, I mean, obviously I know it's taking it a little bit uh, further and, and putting my own like wacky spin on it. Like I want the XFL and, and a, a, you know, USFL to be the, the, the minor, no minor league system for the NFL. This is my own kind of spin for this. Is I was like, you know, what would be fun is if you then took the remaining conferences that are left in kind of what would be considered like the mid major, my minor college football, you take those schools and you do some sort of, you know, relegation system where, you know, the teams that are at the bottom of those super conferences are ruled out. Uh, and I know I, and I mean, first, first and foremost, and this first, might be, yeah. well, listen, the first and foremost, I understand like where we might be heading anyway. And I think needs to be considered is college football kind of being its own thing. Like it having no bearing it, it on, already is. I, I know, honest. but I'm saying like, is. I know, but what we're talking about already is like, oh man, it's going to really stink for, you know, women's lacrosse to go from USC to Purdue. Um, you know what I, you know, that's going to stink for them because those aren't the, that's not one of the money making sports. Um, so what, so what I'm saying is already they need to kind of consider being like, okay, if we change conferences in football, that's kind of its own thing. And it doesn't have any stake on like, we need to specify in the agreement, what sports it applies for. Oh, um, yeah. as far I mean, as look, Missouri, I mean, for instance, the, you look at hockey, Notre Dame's a member of the big 10 in hockey. Yeah. In wrestling, Missouri for the for the past several years was a member of the MAC because the SEC doesn't have doesn't have wrestling. They're now back in the Big 12 for wrestling. I mean, Air Force is in the Big 12. Little Rock, Arc, Little Rock is in the Big 12. Um it, it, you know, it's there already are sports where they're just like screw your conferences we're doing <laughs> it our own way hockey and wrestling i think even gymnastics to an extent has it that way baseball is still a traditionalist with their with the conferences uh they stick to it but yeah so there's already some sports right. that are just like yeah no and the I conferences don't work out for us that way like notre dame's like we're gonna dip our toe in here for this sport <laughs> here for this sport and here for this sport and I think that's how it needs to start being because I you're going to get yeah. to a point where it's just going to be too crazy. Cause you're going to be it like, oh, do we really have to go play a conference game and women's volleyball, you know, for Penn state, we had to go all the way to well, they already you know, Stanford. They already well, go out to the West right. anyways to compete. Um, but, but why the four, the four major conference idea works is because then the conference championships actually mean something. You have four, you just take the four conference champions. They play their way in. And that's how you have your four teams in the college football playoff. Now, what's funny about this, 
um, as we, tr- you know, transfer into, you know, the college football playoff and where it lands and all of this is that what's funny is as these conferences get more, you know, as the powers that be kind of the conferences expand, the championships mean a little bit more. Um, it that's when expansion is actually going to happen when it actually doesn't need to happen as much <laughs> because um, we already are going to have everything kind of, you know, combed through with a fine tooth comb more than we have even now. So um, I do think, um, I do think that the, that playoff expansion is going to still happen. I don't think it's going to be on that grand scale that we saw like last year were proposed where it's going to be 12 teams. I think it's, is going to end up being five or six. Um, you know, if everything expands, I think what I think it's going to be eight. I don't th- see. I think there's even, well, there's less of a reason to expand now because if you have if you have three major conferences or three or four, let's say, you only really need to expand to one or two more at large bids because you're going to have. I mean, if 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 we've decided that there's only six programs that are even worth talking about to begin the season, then. I mean, you don't, you only need to add a couple more spots for those teams that actually do show that they're worth being in there. So like the last, we've always seen them expand it to five, you know, to six when they've done their, like, you know, where things stand now when they do their rankings reveal every week. Like, I think six makes the most sense. I mean, I would look, I would love to see it be eight or 12 or 10, but I don't think it's going to be that, especially not now when everything, when you have these big conferences already, then, because then, you don't want to have a 20 team conference with all these, you know, primary awesome matchups throughout the regular season and then rend, you know, render those matchups useless by then having eight other teams that get into the college football playoff. I'm not saying it's mm-hmm. not going to happen because like what a time to now focus on money when, when you could have expanded to 12 teams already and it would have been a lot more, there would have been a lot more of a reason to, um, but I think now it makes more sense to only expand to five or six. My selfish want for this whole thing as a whole is to, I don't know what you do with the mid-major conferences, you know, as someone who's watched Ball State football for, you know, his life and really that's what he's plugged into. I mean, I would love to see this maybe, you know, the mid-majors kind of do their own thing and maybe create like a top tier version of the FCS where they do kind of a, a smaller tournament thing. Maybe you have like a championship week where the FCS the mid-majors and the college football playoff happen. That would be pretty cool. Kind of a celebration of the sport, not all in the same place, obviously, but it made made me think the big 12 or the the big mountain is my conference would merge. They're going to go knocking to North Dakota state. Yeah. Oh yeah. Could you, I mean, heck if you're, if you're, I mean, if you're the the big, if you're the big, considering that if you're the big 12, if you're the PAC 12, you, you knocking on, you're knocking on North Dakota State. I mean, even if you're the Pac-12, I mean, why not? I mean, you want to stay relevant. Why not knock on the door of North Dakota State? You want to be in the news? You want to be a story, at least at the beginning of the season? Knock yeah. on North Dakota State's door. Be like, hey, you you want to Montana? Montana uh, I mean, Mon- Mont- last year. Montana literally went into Washington and beat Washington this past year. Yep. So, I mean, there's there's an argument to be made. There's an argument to be made for sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess they'll see the bowl system being in place for the, the MAC schools, the smaller conference schools and everything. But at the same time, your talk of like creating a, another level of FCS, I mean, I could even see the FCS expanding. Yeah. 
Well, I see the only reason why I kind of went away from that idea is because I don't know how like the money and all works with that. Because I know obviously, well, like isn't a Mac school making more than like a big well, sky more school? Dakota State's more making more than that's Ball true. State. That that's true. <laughs> I mean, in the end, it may allow more opportunities financially for the FCS because, like, look, if you got four major conferences with the big boys and they break free on and they go out on their own for football. I mean, like they they already kind of have, but if they completely break free, yeah, that leaves those school the smaller schools like the the Sun Belt those schools kind of left in a lurch. Whereas it's like and so they could then turn to FCS and go, hey, look, some of us were already there. (laughs) Half of the Sun Belt was. You guys are freaking (laughs) stable. You have spots on espn you actually we can have a chance to play for a championship i mean heck half the sunbelt schools are former fcs schools southern okay. Al- south alabama appalachian state yeah so texas state i think is now good i i think that that's a point where i don't think anybody has thought of that like look this is an opportunity to grow the fan base and the footprint of the fcs i now like if i'm like in the max school and i'm like are you serious i'm taking a step back from fbs well guess what fbs doesn't exist anymore and F- it, fbs it, like, doesn't want sorry. you <laughs> they don't yeah, care the about FBS you has moved on without you so if you want an opportunity to play for a championship and guess what with the with the big big boys stepping away a lot of those bowl games have said yeah no, we're not. We're not going to put up the money for Arkansas State and South Alabama anymore. Like, no, it, it, it yeah, no way. All the money, everybody's going to pile in on bulls for the big, the big guys mm-hmm. outside that don't make it to the college football playoff. They're going to. That's where they're going to make their money now. And so, if you have a larger FCS, I mean. Then it becomes okay. How does that playoff work? Because you're gonna, you would have to expand that playoff, and that playoff is already pretty long as it is. It, it, there's, there's a lot of things, moving pieces. I don't think everybody's really truly thought all about in the grand scheme of things. And then you got Division Two that's just sitting back there, like, yep, we good. <laughs> We're just ace. Wendy is back there, like, up. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, we're 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 all we're all okay here. Uh, so I mean, do you th- so do you think they're going to expand college football playoff above six teams? You think with if everything goes to a 20, 20 team conferences? Oh, 20 team. I think they're. I if they get to the twenty team, two twenty team super conferences, and you know the other conferences figure out their stuff, I wouldn't even be surprised to get it up to twelve. I wouldn't be surprised to see them adopt a format like FCS. Yeah. Well, I mean, FCS does it right. I mean, I would, I would it's, love that, but playoff, you have your top four seeds. They essentially are, they get buys and then you have it at one final site and you, the way they do it, you even get two weeks off from the semifinals to the championship. And they basically play that championship game the same weekend or the, around the same time as as FCS or FBS. 
So everybody's like, oh, I don't think they're going to expand that much. It's like, why not? The, uh, the footprint, the, the, the blueprints are there yeah. of how to do it. Oh, but the, I think that's why I think you're going to eventually see when the, all these, all, all the dust settles, the bulls will back out and be no more. There'll be no more, unfortunately. Now, you may still see some of these higher tier bulls. The group of six go or the, the beer six. Just missed still. They'll, like, yeah, they're not getting a, a top six team, but you're going to get a top 16, top 20 team. Still have the New Year Six Bowl, and they'll roughly be the same. New Year Six Bowl, you know, you're just you're not going to have the Boca Raton Bowl anymore. Oh, dang! You know, I'm I'm gonna as much as I'm gonna miss the Bahamas Bowl. I think I think we'll be all right. I mean, the Cheez-Its Bowl <laughs> is only going to be what you're using to hold your Cheez-Its while you watch the national championship. Right. No more. No more Little Caesars Bowl. No more GoDaddy.com Bowl. No more Tax Slayer Bowl. No Thank more. God, no more Pinstripe. No more pin. Yeah, I, I was surprised to not see that on the ledger this year. I, you know what bowl I miss? I miss the International Bowl. I liked it. I like that idea. And and they could they could have done a lot with that too. They could they have played. Still play the bowl at at Boise State. Yes, the, the Great Idaho, Idaho Potato bowl. bowl. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. still have that. Oh, man. Well, uh, I think that wraps it up here for this uh, week's edition of the podcast. A lot of realignment talk through a lot of sports. Uh, <laughs> uh, remember that you can uh, like us on Facebook at 3C Media Sports uh, or at 3C Media. Go follow us on Twitter at 3C Media Sports. Go to our TikTok channel, 3C Media over there. Make sure you like, subscribe, ring that bell. Um, let us know, uh, sound off in the comments what you think um, about the expansion, you know, and where, where college football is headed. Uh, 3C Media on at, at, at 3C Media Sports on TikTok. Or I think it's just 3C Media on TikTok. I'm, I'm very bad at promotion, sorry. Um, and then <laughs> we also, it's, 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 been, it's been a minute. Um, and remember, you can listen every week on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard, you can hear the Crash Course Podcast. You can find me at Crash Course FM on Twitter. B. Scott, where can they find you? You can find me at Brandon underscore Scott 87 on Twitter. We will be back next week with even more exciting to topics, but until then, have a good one, everybody.